Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we recap golf's return in the Olympics and ask if the sport has finally found its place in the Games. It's Brooks Kepka. Uh, I just wanted to welcome you guys to the Golf Monthly Podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf. For more, visit titleist.co.uk. Hello, my name is Dan, uh, a new voice on the podcast. I'm covering hosting for Tom today. Uh, I'm a staff writer here at, at Golf Monthly. Uh, I live in Solihull in the West Midlands, so excuse my slightly brummy accent. Uh, I'm a 12 or well, 10 handicapper, getting better. And yeah, I've been on the team for about, about six months now. So yeah, um, I'll be hosting the podcast today. As always, Elliot Heath is here. How are you, Elliot? Hey, Dan. Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Very, very nice intro there. Um, pleasure you. to have you. I think you forgot that you are also a, a, a podcast host of a, a cricket podcast. You know, that that very strange sport that I'm not really into, but uh, I, I did listen to it once and I was very impressed. Thank you, Elliot. Yeah, I appreciate you listening to it, despite the fact you hate cricket. Um, <laughs> and oh, I didn't know if I could plug my own podcast on here yet. So yeah, I do have a cricket podcast. Maybe I'll plug it at the end. And we're also joined, uh, another new voice, uh, by Andy Wright. Andy, introduce yourself to the listeners. Thanks, Dan. Uh, yep, Andy from Scotland, as you can probably hear. <laughs> uh, also joined Golf Monthly about six months ago. Doesn't feel like as long as that, to be fair. Um, I'm from Trin, play at Royal Trin, which is, you know, nice. And play a handicap of one, so. Handy golf. Yeah, sometimes can be. Do you not want to talk about Retief Goosen? I was going to save that for later, but yeah, uh, huge fan of Retief Goosen, probably his only one. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry, where does that come from? Uh, my grandparents lived in South Africa for, I don't know, a good 10 to 15 years when I was really young. So when they would come home, they would educate me on the South African golfers and everyone was always a big fan of Ernie. So I thought I'll go the other way. Even even back then, I was a, I was a trendsetter. So I thought I'd go for Retief instead of Ernie. And yeah, that was literally it. And he had a great golf swing. Well, I'm, I'm sure you'll be looking forward to our interview with uh, Lee Jan Luthwaite, the South African golfer later, Andy. That's coming up about halfway through this podcast. Um, should we start with the golf we played last week, boys? I know you and Tom mentioned it last week, Elliot, that we were playing at West Hill in a little scramble. Um, I'll, I'll ask you, Elliot, how it all went because you were the eventual winner. So... Tell the listeners how we all played at West Hill and how well you played, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great to see you guys. I think we've only met twice now, obviously, because of the, the pandemic. It's like weird times, isn't it? We're all sort of still working from home. Yeah, played West Hill, one of our favourite courses. We play there quite often and um, took the W, didn't I? Lovely little birdie down the last in the Texas scramble. Uh, I didn't think it'd be enough after hearing your quite ridiculous score because there's only three on your team, wasn't there? Yeah, we can come into that in a second. But yeah, I, we, we saw your body down the last. And wasn't it, weren't they all your shots despite it being a scramble? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty happy with that, to be fair. And um, yeah, very surprisingly got the win. What was it? 0.15 points or something? 0.15 shots. So for listeners, I, I was I was in Tom's team, actually, and I listened to last week's podcast and he said he's quite a dangerous scramble player. And that is true because he can suddenly turn it off out of nowhere despite being off about 18. So we shot, I think it was 64 gross, around a par 69, with 7.6 shots. 
And then I want to say you guys had 61 gross, which is a very good score uh, with 3.75 shots. So you beat us by 0.15 a shot, despite the fact our team had three players and you guys had four players. So, I mean, what's that all about? I was, I'm, I'm still moaning about it now. It ruined my evening. We went for a curry after and it all tasted wrong. I just, I, don't, I mean, do you feel, I, I feel hard done by personally. Yeah, no, totally. Um, obviously you had a major disadvantage for only three players and, uh, Seven point, what was it, 7.5 shots or something? That doesn't sound a lot for Tom. Obviously, he's an 18 handicapper. I know you had Alisson, who was sort of a mid handicapper as well. Whereas uh, my team of four players, we had four single figure handicaps. So, um, yeah, I think we had a little advantage there. But, you know, it was all a bit of fun, wasn't it? Oh, it was great fun. I had a great time. And to be fair, I think we should have brought it up at the start. It's no use complaining once you're leading. Do you know what I mean? I think everyone was like, oh, why didn't you bring this up at the start? Which I think was fair. Um, Andy, how did your team get on? I think you were quite close as well. You know, we're, we're discluding from this conversation, but you were close. Yeah, very under the radar third place for my team. <laughs> uh, I think we were also less than one shot behind, and I think we parred like the last eight holes or something with multiple chances. So, also felt quite hard done by, but that storyline was sort of swept under the carpet. So. It was, wasn't it? And there's, when you play scramble, there's so many putts you'd leave out there, especially when there's three or, or four in your guys' case having a go at it. You think, how have, we, how have we missed that? And we had two bogeys, which is criminal. How do you have bogeys in scramble? I think one of the teams, I can't remember who was on it. I know I know Dom and Matt were a couple of the workers for Golf Monthly. And I think they had 17 straight pars, which was pretty brutal. That, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's incredible, isn't it? That's terrible <laughs> scramble play. Um, Dan, what did you make of Tom's game then? You know what, really, I knew he's off I knew he's off sort of 18 and he doesn't quite have his handicap yet. I know he's working on getting that despite not being a member. Uh, but we had like a perfect team birdie. I think it was on the the third at West Hill. And I've hit the drive. Klaz has hit like a, a, a hooping, drawing seven iron in and Alison hold the putt. And then he hit, you know, he hit a few weird shots here and there. And then he hit an unbelievable three wood into the par five, stiffed it and we made an eagle. But he's sort of got, he's a bit of a, he's got the pool hooks about him and every now and again it'll become a snap hook. But he can go hot and cold and he was a perfect scramble player as as he mentioned last week. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good to see him playing quite a bit now. He's uh, he's definitely come on in recent times. I think he won at Prince's before Christmas as well, which mm. uh, he does like to remind us about. But uh, yeah, no, good that he's taking his golf seriously now. I think that, Dan, to your point about being a three-man team, so you've obviously got Tom who's an 18, that can play a lot better. And then there's yourself, who is, what, a 10? A 10, yeah. Yeah, and you can play, like, like a 2 on your day. <laughs> I did. So I think the teams actually were pretty fair. I think it did work out. I remember when I first met you guys and we played at Essendon. This was in, like, April. I, I was off 12, but I didn't quite have a handicap then. And I shot, I think I shot 77 gross off the backs, and everyone was like, are you sure you're off 12? So, yeah, yeah. I think it was some debatable handicaps in our team, potentially. Yeah, just flushing, like, <laughs> these roping draws down the middle of that three-wood. It's an absolute joke. Uh, to mention I'm left-handed as well to, to listeners, uh, the only lefty on the team. So that's a disadvantage as well, because obviously courses are all designed for right-handers. So, oh. you know, I'm not, not bitter about what? any of that. Give it a break. That's that's my theory that courses are all designed with a right-hander's eye. Is that for, That's probably for a different podcast, isn't it? Um <laughs> Did, did anyone play this weekend you know, after our you know, great game at West Hill? And I think, Elliot, you did, didn't you? 
Yeah, I won a little golf break this weekend with my girlfriend, who is still a beginner. Um, I said she shot 108 last week, I think, or the week before, and uh, she was in the 120s this weekend, so it wasn't as good. But uh, yeah, played Minchinhampton in the Cotswolds, and then went a bit further south and played Tidworth Garrison. Both really, really nice courses, and yeah, I'd recommend them. That's golf. I mean, she, you know, she's getting a proper introduction there, going from 108 to like 120. That that kind of hurts. Andy, any golf for you? Uh, I played Friday night um, at Trun. Played brilliant the first nine, actually. And then the back nine, my back really started acting up. <clears throat> so I took I took the weekend off on the oh. back of that. So I hope yeah, you're you okay. Instead. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm on the mend, hopefully. Good. Um, well, I, I played yesterday, uh, which is Monday night. I've got, I've got a question for you boys. I, For some reason, I went to the range on the weekend and took my putter out of my bag. I never do that. So obviously, when I've then gone to the golf club on Monday, I, I didn't have my putter in my bag. Um, so I decided to putt with my mate's right-handed putter for a little while, which went horribly, horribly wrong. And then I was like, do I, do I blade it with a wedge or do I start putting my hybrid? I ended up putting my hybrid for most of the round and I hold a couple of 20-foot putts, one for a birdie as well. But I was, I was going to ask you, what would you putt with if you didn't have your putter? Which club in the bag? Uh, I would go for wedge. That's incredible that you did that with the hybrid. Uh, I, I occasionally hit a hybrid like just off the green and normally like thin it about 30-foot past. So, <laughs> yeah, I would go wedge all day long. I think, yeah, I would probably start with a wedge, but... I mean, you've seen it on tour. Like Sergio Garcia snapped a putter a few years ago and went to the three wood, and then obviously it was it was Siwoo Kim at the Masters, wasn't it? Well, he yeah, and he's the he, one who sort of inspired me to to use a, a fairy wood or hybrid. Yeah, so maybe I don't know. Maybe the wood is is the better option because you can kind of you can hit some like kind of tops with the wedge when you're putting a wee bit when you don't quite like catch it out the middle. Whereas at least with the like the wood, you are actually going for full face contact. So I'd that, probably that, start with the wedge, but I, I mean, I would, I could change. I mean, I, I did that. I started with the wedge. I did exactly what you said and just started topping them slightly. And then I, so I went to the hybrid, left the flag in. The first one I hit, I, I, I might as well have hit a full shot. And it, it, it went in the air past the hole. It was that bad. <laughs> but then as I got, as I got the hang of it, I started to hold a couple. But yeah, it sort of ruined my round. We were only playing a little match anyway, but. Uh, yeah, that that was my golf this weekend. Don't forget your putter. I could imagine that'd be tough on the short putts with a like a hybrid or like a, a springy faced club. Hideous. Well, just just leave the pin in and hit it as hard as you can against it. But um, just just take your putter. Simple as that. That that was the main. That was my own fault, really. Um, right, lads. Should we move on to to the golf that happened at the weekend? Then, um, well, it was obviously Olympics. Unfortunately for us UK viewers, the timings were a little bit awkward. I know I haven't watched much of it, which which is great for my first podcast to have a good chat about it. Um, but for those of you who didn't watch, uh, Xander Schauffele took the gold medal. Rounds of 68, 63, 68 and 67 uh, meant he won by one shot to Slovakia's Rory Sabatini, who shot an unbelievable 61 on the fourth day uh, and marginally missed out on getting in a playoff with Schauffele. And then there was a seven-man playoff for bronze, which was also spectacular. I did catch a bit of this. Uh, CT Pan eventually winning for Chinese Taipei. Uh, he beat Colin Morikawa on the fourth playoff hole. So that's what happened, boys, in the Olympics. As I've kind of alluded to there, I didn't get to watch much of it. The timings were in the UK. They'd sort of tee off at 12 and be done by seven or eight. I'm sure our listeners around the world might have had better uh, time zones to watch it in. Uh, Elliot, you caught at least a good bit of Sunday. 
what did you think of the golf itself? And then I guess we can come on to chat about golf at the Olympics as a whole. Yeah, uh, yeah. I woke up at half six on Sunday, watched probably the last sort of five or six holes and then all the playoffs. Uh, I absolutely loved it because I think it was on Eurosport Player over here for the first three days. I caught like a bit of the first round on BBC, but uh, the rights are just a bit strange this year, aren't they? I think BBC only has like two live streams. But yeah, it was great. I thought the course was awesome. I, I just love golf in the Olympics. It was an amazing finish. You could really tell that the players wanted it. I think we all know that a gold medal is like one of the best prizes in sport, if not the best prize. And I genuinely think that just below the majors, I think the gold medal is there. And I don't know, maybe it's even above some of the majors. Like for Rory, I think Rory's next target will be the green jacket. And then just below that will be a gold medal. He absolutely loved it. The players loved it. And um, I loved it watching as well as a fan. Yeah, I, I was the same. And I've always been a little bit cautious about golf in the Olympics. I think a few people are. Um, we've got, we got to bear in mind it's only its second year back as well. Uh, from like a hundred year break in the Summer Olympics. So people's criticisms are that it's not the pinnacle of the game, which kind of means it shouldn't be an Olympic sport. But from what the players were saying, as you alluded to there, what Rory was saying, I think it, it can become the pinnacle of the game or at least up there with the majors. I know it's not quite quite there yet. Um, Andy, what did, you, what did you think of the golf? I don't know if you watched much of it. And then but what do you think about golf in the Olympics itself? I think that's been sort of one of the bigger talking points this week. Yeah, I watched literally three holes of the, the bronze medal playoff. So, um, yeah, don't have much to say about the actual action. But I think golf and the Olympics in general, and it's definitely kind of on the right track, I think. I think Fergus, for us, wrote a good piece before the event started talking about just kind of the future of golf in the Olympics and saying kind of along the same lines as what Elliot was saying there about and I think when we look in maybe 10, 20 years, it will be right up there with the majors. I think because it's played every four years as well, yeah, it's going to be extremely hard to get your hands on a medal of any kind of colour. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's on the right track. And I think this Olympics did, did wonders for it with, with McElroy playing in particular. So, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed what I watched of it all three holes. The bronze medal playoff was brilliant. Yeah, I think McElroy's attendance was huge i think it was definitely a stronger field than than 2016 despite the three medalists in 2016 not not qualifying this year and i, I just think it will garner a little bit more respect hopefully soon because i think we're all in agreement that, that we like it do you, do any of you think there should be perhaps some slight format changes because I, I i definitely think the 72 hole stroke format is just a little bit dull for the olympics and it's a chance to kind of mix it up a little bit with golf and i think as well there should be more medals on offer uh, for both men and women you see something like boxing or i was watching the cycling this morning and there's different events different categories different weights i think golf could perhaps find a way to do that with you know maybe a 36 hole stroke format then some match play some mixed match play what do you boys think of that as, as an option going forward yeah i think that'd be fantastic but uh i i, I wrote a piece yesterday actually um, and i just don't think that the the pga tour would like it i don't think the european tour LPGA, LET would like it because they run such packed schedules already that um, the players struggle to even get a week out for the Olympics. So if you were to make it two weeks, maybe have like three events for the men and women, then I'm not sure you would get the fields. I mean, you could make it amateur, but I think that's gone now. And, and especially with the comments that Rory said about just how much he wanted to win that bronze medal, I don't think the argument of 
golf not being prestigious or you know the players don't care is really valid anymore because the players do care so yeah i think it's not perfect but i, I don't think there's anything that you really can change yeah i, I think um I mean, I kind of disagree, I suppose. I mean, I think, you know, the tours are always talking about how they want to grow the game and whatnot. And there's obviously no bigger sporting event in the world than the Olympics. And I know um, Thomas Bjorn put up a tweet saying he'd love to see, I think he'd watched like a, a mixed format triathlon and he was saying that he would love to see something, not obviously, maybe not like that in golf, but kind of a different approach. So... Like for me, I'm I'm happy with like the men and women having a seventy-two hole stroke play for like individual gold, but I would love to see some sort of like mixed male female thing in there as well. Yeah, and and what what do you boys think about caddies? Should caddies get medals? I know Poulter was tweeting about that, so I think that was another talking point to come from it. I, I saw that. I didn't I didn't quite know what to think of it. And I, I don't want to belittle caddies at all. And I, I might get told off for this. But it's when, you know, when the horses get, you know, they win gold. The horses don't get a medal. I'm not I'm not comparing caddies to horses here. But they aren't, the caddies aren't the athletes themselves, I guess. And, you know, you don't see coaching staffs and, you know, support teams getting medals as well. So I don't think there was much, I, I don't get that for me, having caddies a medal. Yeah, I think you're right. If, like I was watching the gymnastics this morning and there, there's so many coaches on the sidelines like they don't get a medal I mean obviously the coaches aren't on the field with their gymnasts but yeah it's tough I mean if there was like a mini gold medal they could get I think that would be pretty cool but obviously <laughs> there are only three <laughs> up for grabs <laughs> little and, chocolate uh, one <laughs> yeah yeah but no I, I do see the argument but yeah it is a tough one isn't it but um no I think it's right how it is Andy were you saying that Thomas Bjorn was inspired by the mixed triathlon to maybe try and merge that into golf is he is he perhaps offering up like a a mario golf speed event you know i don't know if you've seen that new nintendo switch game but do you reckon they they, they might bring that into the olympics i mean i would watch that <laughs> exactly and there was another one as well i saw uh, there was an idea floating around about it would be good to see like an olympic long drive contest wow um mm. i think we're going down a bit of a garden path here aren't we i'm not a fan of that I think like yeah, you have you have shot put, you have javelin, you have lots of events where it's measured by how far you can throw something or how far you can get somewhere. So yeah, I think how far you can hit a ball is is quite a good one actually. I, I'd definitely be down for that. Yeah, there's a lot. There's, there's just so much scope. I mean, you could do also you could do like team things in golf. Like so, it could have been McIlroy and Lowry teaming up in a I don't know like a stroke play to match play like you'd said Dan, and then obviously you get the you then bring like do like a male female thing as well and then I mean, you could have like a four week <laughs> golf oh you could just have a whole golf olympics i think by what by what we're chatting here did, did they work do the olympics work sort of in tandem with with all the respective tours to kind of do this or are they kind of not on the same page because i mean it only happens every four years surely you know again to grow the game they can come to an agreement that every four years they take two weeks off instead of the one they're taking this week or, or do you not think there's any scope for that yeah, I think that would be the way two weeks instead of one. Uh, obviously, three or four is a little bit silly, but um, maybe we could like reduce it to 54 whole events instead of 72, so we can get maybe two or three in. But uh, yeah, I think it's all run by the IGF, the International Golf Federation, uh, and then the tours do sanction it. The official World Golf Ranking also sanctions it. So 
it does have a place in the games. And yeah, it's interesting how it could develop, but I just can't see how it's going to change, to be honest. I think, I don't know, I, I just think obviously the more, obviously I had McElroy's comments before was like, you know, I'm not very patriotic, you know, I'm kind of not bothered, but I feel like I should play it. But then he goes and plays it, loves it. And now he'll probably play it for as long as he's eligible. And I, I think with the way that golf is going, um, kind of more and more like the players have the power. So I feel like the more players that play it, they kind of do have an influence in, you know, say it was to last two weeks rather than one. Like I feel like they could push something like that over the line with the PGA Tour or the European Tour or the like LPG or LET. I'd, I'd like to see that. I think it could. And I think McElroy's comments, he had a bit of a weird week, didn't he? Because he, he started being a bit on a downer, then played quite well, you know, tried really hard to finish third, which I don't think he's ever done in his life. And has now kind of got us all behind it a little bit more. I'm, I'm sure if he could relay this to some of the players who, you know, withdrew this year. Obviously this year there was coronavirus as a very legitimate reason to, to withdraw and not, and not want to travel out to Tokyo. Um, but for Paris 2024, do we think we might see, you know, one of the strongest fields, well, probably the strongest fields we've seen in Olympics, but do you think it could be up there with, you know, even the, the WGC that's this week or a major field? Do you think these players are going to relay to the guys on tour? Listen, this is really fun. This is really worth taking time to go and do. Yeah, I think Rory's going to spend the next three years telling everyone to go and play the Olympics <laughs> um, because, yeah, he loved it to me and, um, I don't know, Dustin Johnson clearly doesn't care about the Olympics, and I'm not sure that's going to change. Um, obviously, the US have so many players in the world's top 20, world's top 50, so the field's never going to be packed with world's top 50 players, but I don't think it really needs to, as long as it has the best players. Obviously, this year we lost John Rahm, the world number one, so hopefully if John Rahm's world number one in three years' time, which is unlikely the way it changes, but you never know. Um, so we will have the world number one hopefully next time around. Bryson was out as well, the world number six, I think. So there's definitely scope for it to be stronger without COVID. Uh, and then the likes of DJ, I think Adam Scott, Louis Ustase and those guys just sort of didn't fancy the uh, the schedule. I guess Tyrrell Hatton as well was another one who um, wanted to focus on the WGC. So, yeah, I think next time it'll be a lot stronger. I think Rory's got a lot to do with that. I think being in Paris will probably help as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I I tell you what I did. I'm not fussed about DJ not going. To be honest, he just doesn't seem to like things that much. He doesn't like life. But I I did love seeing, especially on day one, a slight a, you know a rainbow of flags in the top ten. I think you had to get down to like the top fifteen to see an American flag for the first time, which we, we often you know watching the PJ tour is always one there. So I think, like you said, it, it doesn't have to be all the best players, but the best players from a you know a real eclectic set of countries makes for a great tournament. Um, and a good course that we had this week that was low scoring just makes for a fun week. And it's another thing they could maybe tinker with the schedule is the fact that they've got a WGC event the week after. What if they made it perhaps a slightly less important, you know, points, money event that might encourage more people to fly out and then take a week off? Yeah, hopefully that's what the tours will do because obviously we've got the Ryder Cup this year as well, which is tough. Uh, we won't have the Ryder Cup in 2024. So that's a little bonus for the schedule. So, uh, yeah, I think the tours just need to work a lot better. I mean, Rory is chairman of the pack, the um, player, whatever it's called on the, the PGA Tour. So he's probably going to have a, a good say there. Obviously, he's got a great relationship with the European Tour as well. So, yeah, that's a good point, actually, that it could find a little bit of a better spot next time. 
Awesome. Well, a really good event. You know, let us know what you think of it, whether you like golf in the Olympics, whether you actually got to watch any of it um, and what changes you'd like to see. Because I think from just listening to us for, for 20 minutes, we came up with a whole bunch of ideas and there's there's real scope for golf in the Olympics. And it's good as it is, but, you know, what changes could they make? Uh, right. We've got an interview for you now with South African player Lijan Luthway. The South African is going to discuss her unique journey to the pro ranks, uh, her time as a college athlete in the US and life on the Ladies European Tour. Right. Hello, Lejean Luthwaite. Welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. Um, firstly, how are you today? Yeah, thanks for having me, Elliot. Uh, it's good to be here chatting away. Yeah, I'm all good. Thank you for asking. <laughs> how are you? Uh, yeah, good. Uh, it's a bit too hot in the UK at the moment, isn't it? It is. Um, I've spent the last few days practicing in, in nice 30 degree weather, so I feel like I'm at home. <laughs> yeah. Is this what you're used to as a pro golfer? You just like follow the sun? Yeah, pretty much. So when I'm back in South Africa, it's, you know, well, we have we have good weather most of the year, but um, my Europe stretch is normally during the, the Europe summer. So and then when I get, go back home, it's it's midsummer as well. So most of the year is summer for me, which is great. Cool. Um, so before we start, just tell us about yourself for those who don't know you um, and like how you got into golf and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Lijan Luthwaite. I'm from South Africa. Um, I started my golf uh, playing amateur golf in, in South Africa. I started quite late when I was about 17 years old. Um, I took a year at a school to to get better at playing golf because I, I started so late. Got a scholarship to Texas State University. So went over to the United States for four years, got my degree and played collegiate golf. Um, came back to South Africa, turned pro in 2016. Got my full European tour card uh, in for my 2019 year. So that was my first full year out on tour, and and now I'm um yeah, 2021 my second full year on the Ladies European Tour. Amazing, and yeah, you're not really telling everybody what happened before you started playing golf. So, um, you got to <laughs> tell us about your sailing career. Yes, yeah, I started I started sailing when I was very young. Uh, I think at about nine years nine years old I started sailing, and uh, my dad got me into it. He was a big sailor. Um, I've always loved loved the water. I used to swim a lot, so I, I got into sailing. I, I represented South Africa. Actually, I went and sailed in the European Championships in Poland when I was 13. Um, but it does take up a lot of time, and sailing. I decided that sailing was not what I wanted to do, you know, long term. And uh, so shame, yeah. I had to. I stopped that, and, and I, I, I took up tennis. Actually, tennis was what I what I wanted, what I wanted to do. <laughs> so, what were you always like? You always had the goal to be a professional sportswoman. Yes, yeah. From a, I mean, Penny Haynes was my hero growing up. She was a, a gold medalist in the Olympics for South Africa. So I wanted to be a swimmer initially. And uh, yeah, through the years, it kind of switched and changed up a few times. Wow, that's amazing. And like, what, what sort of work went into being a professional golfer starting at the age of 17? Obviously, you're playing against people that have probably been playing since the ages of like two or three. Yeah, absolutely. I started from the bottom playing in B, C, well, C divisions. I actually only remember playing in B division golf. So I don't know what happened to the C division. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I just worked hard. I, I practiced a lot, and um, I think I got down from a from a nine handicap to a three within a space of a year. And uh, yeah, it takes time. It takes playing a lot of tournaments, and um, I didn't get to play too many amateur events before I left to go to the United States and start my, my college and um, university career. <laughs> yeah, so if, if people are listening now and they're 16 mm -hmm. or, or they've got children who haven't really developed fully yet into, into the game, would you say that it's never too late to start a professional golf career? 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the, the athletes that start at a younger age maybe, you know, make their way up to the top of the ranks a little bit earlier. Um, I mean, I'm 30 now and I'm, I'm just, you know, finding my way on the European tour. So, yeah, you know, I learned a lot growing up. I learned a lot of different, um, you know, different skills and that playing a lot of other sports as well. So I don't regret it at all. Um, it made me into the person that I am today. And uh, absolutely, it's never too late, especially in golf. You can play golf until a much later age. And, uh, yeah, keep keep encouraging them. <laughs> uh, how was Texas then uh, at college? Oh, it was, it was fantastic. I had such a great experience. I had a wonderful team, a wonderful coach. It was four years of absolute fun getting to play on golf courses all around the United States. And uh, very blessed to have received that opportunity. Yeah, who were the best golfers you played with? Um, I played with probably the best one. There's a couple on the European tour, obviously. Um, I don't think I'm trying to think of my teammates that play. Valdi John, Valdis Johns got here from uh, from Iceland. She was on the European tour, a very good player. Um, but there's another girl, American. I think it's Ellie McDonald. She was she went oh, to yeah. Mississippi State. She's doing really well in the LPGA at the moment. So she's one that sticks out to me. Um, she was a little bit, I think she graduated a little bit after me though, but uh, she's she's one of the good ones. Yeah, so out there, are you just getting coaching like every single day, basically? Is that what it is? Yeah, well, not so much when I'm on the tour, when I'm on the road. Um, I can send, you know, swing videos to my coaches whenever I need, but it is difficult uh, doing lessons over video and and that sort of thing. But I was lucky enough to actually see him twice now while I was in the UK. He travels a lot as well. Um, he actually coaches Eric Van Royen and JC Ritchie, who just competed in the Open. So I was lucky enough to to catch him while he was here and, and managed to get two lessons in, which I felt I needed. Yeah, I saw you at the Open. How was that? Oh, great. Uh, fantastic experience. I went through on Sunday as well. It was a bit, it's, I think it was a little bit too busy. I think I would have rather seen a little bit more on, on my TV from home, but uh, I also went on the Friday. That was fantastic. Uh, not the crowd was a lot smaller and uh, got to see a bit more golf. <laughs> uh, nice. Anyway, so let's talk about how we met. We played together in the Aramco Team Series at Centurions, part of mm -hmm. Team Houston with Alice Houston and Karen and Lund. Um, yes. That was obviously a, a huge event on the Ladies European Tour. Uh, how did you find it? Yeah, it was massive. It was my first Aramco event. I missed, unfortunately missed the one last year. And I think it was great. I, I'm actually really looking forward to the next one. I wish we could have had the same team because um, our next one is actually in two weeks' time in Spain. And it is fantastic what Taramco are, are doing and what they, you know, the opportunity that they're giving us ladies. And I think the team aspect is also great, getting an amateur in, getting to experience how us ladies, you know, play the game at a professional level. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, what did you make of my game? No, it was brilliant. <laughs> it was good, nothing wrong. I think you're a little bit hard on yourself. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I know you said you're a bit nervous, but no need to be. I mean, we're all, all out there having fun, and I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. But yeah, that first two shot is unbelievably nerve wracking. I don't know how you do it every week. <laughs> yeah, that, that first one is, and it's, it kind of puts a little bit of pressure on you to hit a draw on that hole <laughs> on the first <laughs> yeah. Centurion Club. But uh, yeah, you, you, you give yourself a, a key thought, you know, on, on the first tee shot if you can. Uh, mine is sometimes just just clean strike. Like, don't think of anything, just, just a clean strike will be, you know. Let's hit the get, ball. Yeah, and I mean, you saw my first shot wasn't great. So I think um, I think I made a drop on the first day, but then managed to birdie it on the, on the next two rounds. So, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't um, don't really remember you missing a fairway for the three days, which is incredible. <laughs> it's like unbelievable how straight off the tee the uh, LET golfers are. Yeah, we are. I mean, I, look, I, I won't lie. I have I have had a couple of tough weeks, um, but it's coming back. That's why I'm also grateful. I saw my coach, but it was really nice to see Alice play as well. She's she's in she's in great form at the moment, and even Caroline, she's a great. Um, you know, I hadn't seen her game before before we played with her last um, at at Centurion, and I mean, she's also a brilliant ball striker. She just um, just the pats didn't drop for her that week. Yeah, they were dropping for you. You were an absolute birdie machine. I thought. What did you shoot three under <laughs> par in the final round? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was a nice one to end on. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the course? Great. I love it. Um, such great condition. It's a, a you know a classic. Well, for me, I, the amount of golf courses I have played in the UK, it's a classic UK course, and it's you get a little bit of um, forest parklands type feel with the first mm. couple of holes, and then it opens up to like a links feel. Very challenging. I, I loved it. Greens were pure as well, which is for me can make a course go from zero to hero if, if it has good greens. <laughs> yeah, I think they're honestly the best greens I've ever putted on. Yeah, fantastic. Um, the course did a great job there. Yeah. So um, where do you think the LET is at now after the COVID pandemic? Uh, I think you're playing for the highest prize money in history. So obviously it's in a fantastic spot. It is. It's 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 really great. Um, it's one thing that Investec, one of my sponsors, um, have really been punting and trying to emphasise women and equal pay gap. Off and this is post pandemic, which is not something you would maybe think of, of you know, offhand that would happen after you know su- such a thing as a pandemic. But it has. It's it's just got people to rethink, refocus on a lot of things in life. I think and. Uh, Oh man, we're so grateful that that the LET have 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 come through and just up the game as a whole for for us professional ladies. It's it's great. Yeah, so you turned pro in 2016, I believe. Um, yeah. How has sort of women's sport and women's golf developed since then? Would you say? It's massive. I mean, when I went to Q school um, at the end of 2016, I mean, I was worried. I was like, if I get my tour card, there's going to be hardly any events to play in next year. You know, so you, you're preparing and you're working so hard to, to do well at qualifying school, not knowing that you're going to have more than 10 events for the year, for the following year. And you're like, well, what am I doing this for? And yeah, obviously it's a concern, but uh, history, you know, I, I look back in the history and, and the LET was, was, was extremely strong in the past as well, where they had over 20 events a year. And uh, yeah, I think they went through... I went. They went through a lot, but I think they're back on the right track again, and uh, it's uh, that's evident um, with the amount of events that we have back on schedule this year. Yeah, it definitely seems to be in a great place, and I think mm-hmm. you're probably in quite a good place at the moment after what winning three times from 2019 to 2020. I guess that kind of took the edge off the pandemic for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I secured my card uh, at the end of 2019 for 2020, and that I mean that was a huge relief for me. I, I didn't want to go back to Q school for the fourth <laughs> time. <laughs> it was my goal to, to not go back to Q school, believe it or not. It, uh, it was a crazy feeling. But uh, yeah, it definitely made my, my lockdown a little sweeter, not having to stress about that. And, you know, also having the sponsors that I have, it um, allowed me not to to stress financially. And uh, yeah, like I say, Investec have been monumental in, in women's golf in South Africa over the last um, few years. We're really grateful for that. Yeah, so you won the South African Women's Masters. <laughs> the super soft super sport ladies challenge should i say and the mm-hmm. dimension data ladies pro-am mm-hmm. um were they like three of your biggest wins so far would you say 
Yes, for sure. Um, they were back to back, and uh, they all. The Super Sport was a playoff. I won in a playoff, and the Dimension Data, which is one of our biggest events besides the Investex South African Open, is probably the next biggest event on our Sunshine Ladies Tour in South Africa. Um, we play alongside the men. Um, oh, different really? comp different competition, but they play the same week. I think it's also part of the. Um, uh, what's the feeder tour, the men's European feeder tour? Oh, challenge tour. Challenge, challenge, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, it's uh, the challenge tour event for the men's, for the men that week. There's a lot of, a lot of sponsors, a lot of, um, you know, high, so we play with amateurs as well. So it's an amateur pro setup. And uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's nice to, to play well during that week. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was, I was coming off a high. I was really, um, you know, relishing in, in confidence. And it was it was just really unfortunate that that we went into lockdown shortly after that because I think we 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 had our first Aramco event scheduled for for straight after our Sunshine Tour last in 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 2020 last year yeah, and we didn't get to play so <laughs> I'm trying to find that that same confidence and rhythm back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you could have won a big check there then. Well, yeah. You never know. I mean, golf is um, you can't take it for granted. Uh, you're only as good as your last game in this in this game <laughs> so but yeah I, I was I was playing nasty and I was looking forward to it <laughs> yeah so what's it like playing with the men then are you playing in Northern Ireland next week yes yeah the ISBS yeah. under yeah yeah and then obviously I, did the Scandinavian mix as well I did I did unfortunately didn't make the cut there but we're going to change that next week <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I'd love to do well in one of the mixed events and uh, it just go you know it just helps in showing that us ladies are just as talented and skillful around the golf course, and I think it's great that they that we're getting more more mixed events. And and what I've heard from a lot of the amateurs, they they enjoy it as well. And as long as we you know creating that that interest from fans and viewers, um, then it, there's no reason why it can't be successful. Yeah. Um. Who did you play with in Sweden? I played with I played with an English guy. I think Jack. Can't remember his last name. <laughs> We've <laughs> the had last this conversation already, haven't we? We he did. Wears we Jay did. And I, yes, and he and it says uh, he's got a jellyfish sponsor on his clothing. I need to look it up. I feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And um, and I played with it was Faisa Malik, um, an Indian friend of mine. So it was two oh, yeah. two girls and a, and a male. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, with what's going on in the world at the moment, how has it been as a pro golfer? in a COVID bubble, I guess, because I couldn't believe after our Aramco series tournament, I was so tired. And then the very next day, half the tour was over in Finland. And then they're coming mm -hmm. back to France this week, then Northern Ireland, like it's a, it's a hard job. Yeah. Look this year, um, you know, my first year being in 2019 and, and, and then my second year, obviously a full year is this year. With such a busy schedule, you know, at the, I looked at the schedule at the beginning of the year. And I was like, "There's going to be weeks that I have to take off, that I have to miss." I mean, I had huge FOMO last week, not playing in Finland. I really <laughs> did, you know. But um, I, my wrists were a little sore. I, I sprained them a little bit. Um, <laughs> you'll laugh how I did it, but um, that's another story. <laughs> sprained my wrists, and it has been a long stretch for me. I think uh, since um, Sunshine Tour, which which started at the end of March. Up until up until um, the Ramco events, I probably had about two weeks where I didn't play a tournament. So every week since then, I've been playing in a tournament. And you know, our second half of the year is extremely busy, probably much more busier than the first half. 
so I'm trying to just rest and, and manage that so that I that I can finish strong and, and hopefully have energy going into that. Yeah. Yeah, so I think everyone's wondering now, how did you endure your rests? <laughs> so I was doing a, an interview with, uh, sorry, not an interview, a, um, uh, it was like a photo shoot for Investec. And uh, it was a brilliant campaign that they did for our SA Open. And um, we did it in the gym and I was boxing. And uh, being a photo shoot, I didn't put my straps around my wrist. And I was having a go at the punching bag. And uh, <laughs> I actually sprained them a little bit. <laughs> Uh, I thought you were going to say um, it was like mountain biking or something because I know you're you're into that as well. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that would have been the obvious answer. <laughs> but funny enough, uh, it wasn't on the mountain bike. But I, I also struggle to rest. I'm always busy doing stuff. So you know, I, if I'm mountain biking or gymming, or I, I don't give my body too much rest, and uh, that's probably why they're still hurting a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Do you still do a bit of sailing just for a bit of fun? I don't. My dad no. still sails. Unfortunately, yeah. You know, unfortunately, I don't. I don't get out too often now. It is. It it does take up time. It's like a whole a whole day. It's a whole day out or a weekend if you if you're sailing in a in a competition or a gato as they call it. Um, the the passion is still there. It hasn't gone. I do miss it a lot, but a lot of my time is is um you know focused on my golf and uh, well my second hobby now is is mountain biking. So. <laughs> Oh, awesome. And yeah, so what do you make of the UK? I think you said your sister lives here and I know you're here at the moment practicing um, in ridiculous weather. But is it kind of like a second home here for you? It definitely is. Um, I come from an English family, English background. Um, it's where my ancestors are from. My sister's here on Ancestral. So <laughs> it definitely feels like my second home. And um, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's, it's easy to get along with the people and um, it hit, it does hit home in a way for me. So it's, I'm lucky that I get to, to be here for a little while. Oh, nice. And then, yeah, what's coming up for you this year then? Obviously, you said you've got a busy schedule. Yes. Uh, so we've got the I So it's Evian this week. Unfortunately, not in that this year. But we've got um, the ISBS Handa in Northern Ireland. Then we go to Spain for Aramco. Actually, another two weeks after... Uh, It'll be two weeks off for me after that. Um, I think I'm about 15th reserve for the Scottish. Then it's the British Open. <laughs> so um, I'll have to do better so I can play in those next year. So I might go home for that for that two weeks. And then after that, it is. It's it's nonstop until probably end of November, December. Um, we go, oh, there's so many events in a row. It's like Sweden, Sweden, France, Switzerland, Spain. Um, and then it goes Morocco, New York. We've got, uh, what are some of the other ones? We've still got the Indian Open on the schedule. Um, we're not too sure what, you know, what the scenario is in India. So we, we're hoping that still goes through as well. Oh, amazing. So, yeah, busy time. Um, good luck for the rest of the season. Uh, it was great being on Team Houston with you at the Century yeah. Club. And um, how can people follow you on social media? Yeah, Instagram's the main one, the one that I enjoy the most. It's yeah. Lijan L02. Um, that's the main one. I'm on Twitter as well, and I've got my own uh, Facebook athlete page if you want to follow in there as well. All right, awesome. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Lijan. Cool. Thanks, Elliot. Take care. <laughs> right, brilliant interview there, Elliot. Your, your playing partner at the Aramco series. Um, unfortunately, she missed the second cut at the ISPS this week. Is that right? What was the situation there with the cuts? Yeah, so I think there was two cuts. There was one after Friday and then one after Saturday. And yeah, she made the Friday cut uh, and then missed out on the second one. I think she was in the top 60, though, which 
gives her race to Costa del Sol points on the latest European tour. And um, she also got top 60 at the Ramco where, where um, we played on the same team. Uh, and she got race to the Costa del Sol points there as well, if I can say that. But um, yeah, no, a, a lovely lady, really good to chat. And um, yeah, what a career she's had. I mean, competing at the uh, Sailing World Cup or the European Sailing Championships at the age of 13 and then now competing on the European Tour. So um, fair play, it obviously takes so much hard work and dedication and sacrifices to to become a professional sports person. And um, yeah, yeah, wish her a lot of luck. Yeah, awesome. And let's chat a little bit about the ISPS Hander World Invitational presented by Modest Golf was was the full name of the tournament. Uh, this was a cool event. It was a men's and women's event played on, on the same course. Um, uh, the men's and women's groups playing one apart. The winner of the men's event was Daniel Gavins. Um, this was his first top 10 in 52 starts on the European Tour. He spoke his interview afterward that he was going to take this week off because he's got Challenge Tour sort of commitments coming up that's a little bit more important for him. Uh, and he was way behind. He shot a 65 on the final day um, when David Horsey was like looked like he was going to win it. Uh, he had a he had a plus four on the back nine um, uh, that gave Gavin's the win. On the ladies' side, Padjeri Anan Narukan won her maiden LET title. It was on the second playoff hole, but it was a, a close event for for them as well. Seems to be a, a sort of tour favourite. The, the, all her friends came on to the final green at the end. She seems like a sort of a, a likeable winner, Elliot. This is a, a huge period for Thai golf at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, fantastic time for Thai golf. Nearly got a medal as well. Jazz Jeno Watananon over in Tokyo. But uh, yeah, he's on a great score after a couple of days. But yeah, the women are just um, rocking it right now. Obviously, we had the Jatanagan sisters. Patty Tavatanakit winning the ANA Inspiration this year, just out of nowhere as well. And then um, Ataya Titical, who's just a sensation, uh, leading the European Tour race to Costa del Sol. And then... Um, quite a few others as well so yeah really good time for Thai golf and uh, another exciting finish on the ladies European tour with that playoff so um, yeah things are looking really good for the LET at the moment we've got the uh, Aramco team series this week as well a leg two of that so um, yeah fantastic to see these mixed events Um, obviously like we weren't really seeing these five years ago and now we're getting like two or three a year so um, yeah really really good times. Awesome. So before we finish discussing this week's action, we need to talk about our sponsors, Titleist. Uh, last week, Titleist Golf Ball loyalist Daniel Gavins and Padjeri Anan Narukan placed their trust in the new Pro V1 and Pro V1 X Golf Balls to capture their maiden European and LPGA Tour victories. Not only this, but the number one brand in golf was the most played golf ball, driver, fairway, hybrid, utility iron, iron and wedge at the Galgorm Resort. That's not bad. Uh, elsewhere, there was Olympic success for Rory Sabatini, who trusted his 2021 Pro V1 golf ball to an Olympic record 10 under 61 on Sunday at Kazumigaseki Country Club. The winner of the Olympic men's competition played a pair of Vokey Design wedges in capturing the gold medal for the United States. And to find out more about this extensive Titleist range of equipment and to locate your nearest fitting event, head to titleist.co.uk. That is an extensive victory for Titleist this week. Um, can we quickly talk about Sabatini, actually, before we move on to what's going on next week. I wrote a piece about his, well, I just did a little sort of piece about his move over to the Slovakian nationality. And I was reading that they've only got like 26 golf courses in Slovakia or something like that. And really not that many golfers registered to play there. And when he initially sort of went to Slovakian nationality, I thought it was just slightly selfish from him. Not selfish, that, that's rude of me to say, but obviously he wouldn't qualify as South African because there's better South African golfers. And I thought, you know, he was just trying to give himself a, a Slovakian, a, a go in the Olympics, basically. 
But he's won a silver medal, Slovakia. I think he was only their third of the games at the time. And this should be huge for Slovakia in golf, right? You know, that kind of exposure on, on the big stage. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Obviously, there were a few eyebrows raised when it happened in 2019, and uh, rightly so, I guess. But his wife is Slovakian. Uh, I think his wife's cousin is chairman of the Slovakian Golf Association. Mm-hmm. And he, he did say that he wanted to grow the game in that country. And by winning a silver medal at the Olympics, that's exactly what he's going to do. I think loads of young Slovaks are going to watch that and be like, oh, wow, I might go and play golf if Rory Sabatini's um, you know, showing us on the world stage. So, yeah, fantastic for him. Obviously, he was world number eight, I think, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, something like that. So came out of nowhere, really. I mean, he's been sort of a journeyman now, I guess, for the last five or 10 years. And, and to have this result on that world stage is, is fantastic for him. And I don't know, maybe he could go and win on the PGA Tour again and, and really, you know, reap that Slovakian heritage out to the world and, you know, keep showing us how good Slovakia can be at golf. So, you know, it's quite a nice story, I think. Uh, the 61 on Saturday was outrageous. Um, uh, sorry, Sunday. Eddie, you, you said he's a journeyman. I, I hope you boys haven't seen this stat yet, but if you have, don't guess. But do you want to guess what his PJ Tour earnings are to date, roughly? I would go 15 to 20 million, somewhere in that range. Okay. Andy? I was actually thinking that when Elliot was talking. I mean, he, he must have made so much money in his career. So I'm going to go... 30. Yeah. So he's, I think he's now to 36 million on the PGA Tour. So he joined in 99, I think. I think he's got like six wins, but he's he must be on the top 20 in the list of all-time earners, but so, so sort of subtly. I think he got all his wins in one year in like the early 2000s and then has sort of just done bits since. I don't really know, but that's huge. Yeah. I mean, he won the World Cup, I think, in 2003 for South Africa. Oh, wow. That's you. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. He was with Immelman. I remember yeah, that. Uh-huh. I don't yeah, remember yeah, watching yeah. it. I remember reading about it. Uh, but yeah, huge for him. Huge for slacking golf. And just an- another really cool story to come out of the Olympics, um, which has been really fun to cover. Okay, let's let's look ahead to this week. We've got plenty going on in the world of golf, as it always is. The Women's Olympic Golf will start tomorrow, as the day of recording. So Wednesday on the same course as the men. So Kasu Migaseki Country Club on the East Course. All three medalists from Rio, so Imbi Park, Lydia Ko, and Shanshang Feng are back. World number one, Nelly Korda, is favourite for gold. The USA and South Korea each have four players, uh, with Korea's team made up of four of the world's top five. That is stacked. Does anyone have any other favourites other than Nelly Korda? It's kind of hard to look past her at the minute. Uh, I was going to say Mel Reed. She's playing the best golf of her life right now. She is... Um over the moon to be playing the Olympics. I know that she actually skipped the Evian Championship to play this because I think it would be a little bit complicated to go from the UK to France and then back and then to Tokyo or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, the women were, were very keen supporters of the Olympics last time and, and once again they are, so absolutely fantastic. you got all the world's top five there. It's going to be an absolutely brilliant tournament and, um, yeah, it would, it would be great to see a Team GB player on the podium after uh, Paul Casey's near miss by the weekend. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it'd be great to see Mel Reed do well. And if not Mel Reed, I quite like that Yuka Sasso. I just like her kind of story and how she watched clips of McElroy to sort of inform her own swing. So big, big fan of her. Who's the who's the other British athlete uh, other than Mel Reed? It's Jodie Ewart Shadoff. Okay, that could be good so, then. That's, yeah, that's yeah I hope she does well as well, to be fair. 
Did did Charlie Hole not qualify or did she no, did she, she not want to go? Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, it's still Georgia, a pretty strong field. Georgia Hall pulled out after that as well. I mean, uh, that was just that Evian Championship was a little bit awkwardly placed. Again, back to our chat a bit earlier about the the, the, the tours trying to work themselves out a little bit better, but it's still early days. Um, so yeah, that starts this Wednesday. We'll finish on Saturday. Again, timings for UK listeners are a little bit awkward. If you get yourself up nice and early, you should be able to see the end of the play. I'm sure listeners around the world have got a, a better time to watch that. Over on the PGA Tour, well, this is kind of a, a double event, isn't it? The WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational takes place at TPC Southwind in Memphis, Tennessee. Justin Thomas is, is defending his title. Uh, he won it last year, finishing three clear of Tom Lewis, Brooks Kepka, Daniel Berger and Phil Mickelson. I don't remember that. I don't remember Tom Lewis finishing second in the WGC event. Um, still a relatively new event. Well, that's why. It's taken over the WGC Bridgestone Invitational. John Rahm is still absent because of his positive COVID-19 test. And the purse is $10.5 million, which compared to the Olympics, which was zero, um, is pretty huge. I think it's pretty huge anyway. So any tips for this one, boys? Anyone you like the look of? I know Daniel Berger's went around here quite a few times. I remember DJ having the walk-off hole out on the last hole a couple of years ago. So he obviously likes it around here. Anyone else you're liking ahead of this big event? Yeah, sorry, just on the, the money thing. That's what I loved about the Olympics as well, is that they were not playing for money. They were playing for sport. And mm. golf is the best sport out there. I mean, you might think it's cricket, Dan, but well, golf is by far the best sport. My, my other podcast says cricket, but yeah, for now I'll say golf. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I actually quite like Rory. I mean... He's had a very up and down season. He did obviously win at Quail Hollow, but um, he played really well last week. He enjoyed himself. And this is the event that came after Portrush in 2019, where he missed the cut in those emotional circumstances. And he went really close to Brooks Kepka here. So likes his course. It suits him. And uh, he's in good form and very well priced at 20 to 1. Just back, back on the money thing at the Olympics. Each country does have money on offer for like their athlete, and I've read, I think I read this morning, that Xander Schofley got maybe $40,000 for gold. But CT Pan, I think Chinese Taipei pay their athletes an obscene amount of money. I think he picked up like half a million dollars or something. <laughs> for the run, that's quality. <laughs> third. Might not have been as much as that, but it was, a, yeah, it was at least, it was at least a couple hundred thousand dollars it worked out to be for finishing third, which I thought was quite funny. That is, but I don't know, I agree. They weren't playing for money, but they were playing as hard and as seriously, and it shows that money probably doesn't really matter to these guys when they earn so much anyway. Yeah. Um, back onto yeah. the PGA Tour, Andy. Who do, you, who do you like? Come on, stay on topic. Uh, right, okay, give me a break. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, it's mental how much they're playing. Is, the purse is almost as much as the Open was, which is insane. Crazy. Um, who do I like? I'm just looking at the list right now. I'm going to go Paul Casey because he is so consistent but can't seem to go over the line. So I'm going to go for him to to pick this one up. I'm going to nick one off. If you head to the Golf Monthly website, Jeremy Chapman's tips are up for this. I'm going to take Matt Fitzpatrick. Mr. Consistency, Jeremy's called him. And the, and the course suits him a little bit. So a 35 to 1, I like that. Jeremy Chapman's article on the Golf Monthly website for the women's Olympic betting tips is also up if you want to check that out. You know, we had our tips there. You can go for yours. Uh, we can look now at the Hero Open um, uh, taking place at Fairmont St. Andrews on the European Tour. 
Andy, that's your neck of the woods. Well, Scotland. I'm generalising slightly. Uh, what do you know about Fairmont St Andrews? Have you played it? Uh, yes. Yeah. We always had, um, there was always uni events there. So it gave me no shortage of nightmares. I think they play a composite course because there's two. There's the, the Torrance and the Kittics. And I believe they do a mixture of the two. But yeah, they're, they're, they are, they're quite tough courses. Obviously, when well for me they were anyway. So I think last was it last year they played they played an event there as well, and I I thought it I thought it came across okay. And um, do you guys ever remember watching the uh, the it might have been Slazenger adverts on the Sam Torrance course? There it used to be on the Golf Channel when we had the Golf Channel in the UK. Oh yeah, Thank yeah. You. What was that? What were the clubs called again? Oh, I can't remember. Oh God. Because there's a load of them on the Golf Channel. Like they're... <laughs> what was that one called? Oh, this is out, this is out of my era, boys. I'm going to have to leave you two to this. A, Slaz- a Slazenger advert. We had the Golf Channel in the UK. I'm, I'm learning so much. It was like, it was like the K10 or something, Elliot. Yeah, possibly. But yeah, Sam Torrance was endorsing it and there were a load of uh, amateur golfers. That, I think they were like, trying to drive a par 4 green to show us that this Slazenger <laughs> drive was better than anything else in the market. <laughs> Yeah, no, the the course the courses are they're quite good. They're, I mean, they're probably not up to like absolute tour standards, but you know, given given the right conditions, they will pose a good test. Uh, obviously, with the WGC, it's not the strongest field. Andy Sullivan and Marcus Armitage are two of the the bigger names playing this week. Am I am I right that obviously all of the the Olympic players are going to get over for the WGC? That that seems like a logistical nightmare. It seems all a bit too soon. Yeah, I think they are. Look at that $10.5 million prize fund. I mean, Fly straight back for that. Yeah, they'll get straight on their private jet. Or, you know, Xander Schofield will spend his $40,000 on a, <laughs> a nice first-class bed uh, and get over there quite quickly, I would imagine. One more thing I do want to talk about before we leave, boys, is uh, Brendan Lawler, uh, who's poised to go top of the world rankings for golfers with disability after winning his second tournament uh, on the EDGA European Tour in as many weeks. Uh, I don't know if you boys saw... The interview he had with Niall Horan, who who runs Modest Golf and I think represents Brendan, it was it was kind of quite emotional. It's quite quite good to see. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I remember Brendan played on the European tour, didn't he? And obviously a fantastic golfer. And it's it's great what ISPS Hounder are doing um, with that event and with um, with the the Vic Open as well. I think they support and, and others as well. So uh, yeah, really great to see. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just it's brilliant just bringing. Even like the, the kind of mixed stuff in, bringing more like kind of disabled golf in, like giving it far more exposure. And uh, that's something that Niall Horan's company seems big on, which is brilliant. We need more management companies like that. Yeah, he's come into the golf and done awesome things, hasn't he? And I know there's a piece on the, the Golf Monthly website about what, what he's done for golf. And uh, I kind of forget he was ever a pop star now. He's just a, a, a good guy doing good things in golf. I'm sure other people think differently that they still remember One Direction, obviously. Yeah, exactly. I remember every time we'll do like a tweet on the uh, the Golf Monthly page, it will have like 600 retweets in about two minutes because of all the fans he's got. So it, it just shows you just how big he is. And um, for him to choose golf, I mean, we need to be honoured to have him in our sport because he, he could be promoting cricket, but, you know, he's chosen, <laughs> he's chosen to promote golf and I think he's doing an absolutely fantastic job of it. The thing is, he could have just done, like, he could have done nothing for the rest of his life, like mm. quite comfortably with the, the money he's made, so... Yeah, it's it's absolutely phenomenal what he's done. Uh, you listen, I've not come on here to look after the ship here at Golf Monthly and get, you know, cricket absolutely slammed for no reason. You know, 
uh, you know, I've got, I, I, we've all got other interests. Mine happen to be golf and cricket. Um, uh, but that, that will about wrap it up because the cricket slander aside, um, Andy, how's your first podcast experience been? Oh, phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah. I want to give you props for, um, for hosting one and for pronouncing the golf club in Japan perfectly. Straight off the bat as well. Just for listeners, no editing on that one. No yeah. editing. Clean off the bat. <laughs> uh elliot thanks for thanks for having us elliot actually this has been really fun yeah uh pleasure to have you guys damn i think you've done a fantastic job obviously we scouted you uh off of the um rain stop play podcast yeah can i can i plug that now actually rain stop play cricket podcast you know weekly podcast about cricket (laughs) golf and cricket intersect perfectly so i'm sure there's loads of golf ones for listeners that want to hear me talk about cricket as well uh, yeah, so listeners, if you enjoyed Dan, if you jo- enjoyed Andy, um, please send us a message or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen, because it really helps us get up the charts. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Um, and the Clubhouse podcast will be back next week. Bye.